Hello, everyone. Rick Thomas here. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of Life Over Coffee. The past couple of episodes, I've been doing topic, uh, uh, topical current, current event topics is what I'm trying to say. One of the things that we want to do in our ministry is we want to be able to help people with real life situations where people are living, what they are thinking about, what they are wrestling through. And of course, we live in a, a active fallen world. And so there are things that happen all along and people reach out to us and they want our perspective on such matters and we want to serve them, especially those who underwrite our ministry. As I mentioned in episode 310, Joanne had one of our longtime supporters reached out and she asked ask a question about the cancel culture. And then in episode 311, I responded to a question about the Atlanta murders, which has happened this past week, a, a mass murder, and trying to give a little biblical perspective on that. And so from time to time, we have basically two kinds of content. We have evergreen content, which is just as relevant today as it would be 100 years from now or 100 years ago. I mean, it's like the Bible in the sense that it is evergreen and it is always practical and relevant to our lives. And then you have time-dated material where you are responding to things that happen in a point of time. They have a limited shelf life, but yet they are also relevant. And so whether we are doing evergreen material or time-dated current event material, our aim is always to help people biblically and practically to be able to think through whatever is going on in their world. And so in episode 310, I talked about this idea of cancel culture. The title of that episode is Mix Power and Disdain for Others. Then you get a cancel culture. And I said in that episode that this will not be the the end-all, be-all uh, talk about the cancel culture because there are actual, actually several different angles to it. And I suggested in that episode that I might do another one, and that's what I want to do here. I'm not going to repeat what I said in episode 310. If you want to listen to that podcast, you're welcome to do that. Just go to the episode, listen to it, and then you can listen to this one here, and it will give you a multi-perspectival perspective. Uh, overview of this idea of cancel culture. Maybe I will do another episode. We will we will see. But this is a big thing that's happening in real time in front of all in, in front of all of our eyes. And many of us are are worried about it as we should be. In fact, all of us are worried about it, and some of us are overcome with worry about it, and that's why I want to speak into it. We do have a thread on our free community forums, and if you want to talk to us about that, uh, this idea of cancel culture, you can jump on our community forums. You can either jump on that thread that's pre-existing, or you can start, start your own and just say, hey, I got some questions about this idea of cancel culture. It's just another way that we want to serve you. And so this is episode 312. The title of it is, A Cancel Culture Manipulates Everyone to See Things as They do. I want to get into that in just a moment, but I want to make an announcement here. As I've mentioned in prior episodes, that we are continuing continuing to trim down and our ministry and how we 
operate our ministry so that we can be most efficient. This past week, we just purged our e-news database, and we removed over 4,000 emails from that database. They were people who were not opening up their emails for whatever reason. Well, we pay for all those emails. MailChimp is the service that we use, and they have price breaks at all along. And as you gather more and more emails, it costs more and more money. And it was not good stewardship to be paying for 4,000 names that weren't opening up the email. And so we trimmed down. I feel a little lighter and a little happier today, praise God. And we always want to stay on top of these services. And so we trimmed that down. And I mentioned before that we're also getting ready to uh, stop the Your Daily Drive podcast as far as adding more podcasts to it. And so if you subscribe to Your Daily Drive, there will be some point in the near future where there won't be any more podcasts added. We're not going to get rid of those podcasts. There's eleven, almost 1,100 of them over there, and so we're going to keep them archived, and they will continue to be embedded in our website inside all the articles in which those podcasts represent. And so we're not going to get rid of them, but uh, we're only going to have one podcasting network, which is this one here, Life Over Coffee. And so if you subscribe to this one, you're good to go. And when I do an article, as I have been doing for a hundred years now, when I do an article, I will do a podcast, but it will be a Life Over Coffee podcast. And so I want you to know that that's coming soon. In one sense, nothing is going to change. There will always be articles. There will always be podcasts attached to those articles. But we're only going to have one podcast network, Life Over Coffee. Okay, so this is episode 312. A cancel culture manipulates everyone to see things as they do. The cancel culture is a leaderless mob. It's, it's, they don't have a head. There's no figurehead. There's no point person. There's no body that you can look at and say, this is the person that's leading it. Now, that makes it a little bit difficult. A leaderless mob of like-minded activists who use manipulative tactics to browbeat anyone into conforming to their dictates. And it doesn't matter who you are. When I say anyone, it could be anyone. Left, right, center of the political spectrum, it, it doesn't matter. There are many left-leaning folks who don't even know where, where my camp is, the conservative camp, but yet they're nervous about the cancel culture. And, of course, many on the, the right are nervous as well. And because there is no leader, it makes it hard to push against them. Antifa and Black Lives Matter is, are very similar to this as well. It, these are leaderless organizations that just, just come at you. The cancel culture is an idea. It's a worldview. It's a presupposition. It's a concept that anyone may use to attack someone that they do not like. And so understanding this culture is imperative and knowing how to combat it is essential. And that's what I want to do here in episode 312, 312. And so I want to divide this podcast up into three parts. Part one, what is it? Part two, what it is not. 
And then part three, imperative interpretive miscues. I will give you a few personal illustrations of what some would call, Rick, you got canceled, but that's not actually what happened. And the reason I'm walking through this is because I want us to know clearly what the cancel culture is and what it's not. If you diagnose something improperly, if you interpret something improperly, then whatever you try to do from that point forward will not be exactly right. And that's why you want to understand what cancel culture is. And so part number one here is what is it? After a term becomes ubiquitous, there is a temptation to map that term over anything that looks like the original intent of the term. And we have many, many illustrations of this. I'll give you maybe a lighthearted illustration of a, a term that became ubiquitous. Everybody knows this term, and that's, that is Kleenex, the tissue. Kleenex, and I don't know what their marketing strategy was back in the day. Maybe they were first to market. I don't know. But Kleenex has become a ubiquitous term for anyone that wants a tissue. If someone in your home wants a tissue, they say, hey, uh, give me a, a Kleenex, and then you just grab whatever tissue you have, and you really don't care one way or the other if it's, a, if it's a Kleenex or not. That's what happens when a term becomes ubiquitous. Now, there's really no issue with that. I trust you have no issue with, <laughs> with the Kleenex illustration. But then there's another term that is a little more difficult. The degree of difficulty uh, goes up a, a notch or two, and that's the term abuse. Abuse is a ubiquitous term that, that people use, and in, in many cases, it has become a catch-all to uh, include just about anything that you want to include in that term, including microaggressions. I mean, a, a, abuse is used so widely and so broadly, and it's really unfortunate. It's similar to also, and I've talked about this in past podcasts, it's similar to the term racism. If everything is racism, eventually where there are legitimate issues of racism, well, it loses its efficacy and the help that is needed in that particular instant because you call everything racism or you call everything abuse or you call everything clinics. And so it is important to understand what it is. For example, every toxic person that you have interacted with is not necessarily part of the cancel culture. Now, cancel culture individuals can be toxic, but every toxic person is not necessarily part of the cancel culture. And you want to be careful when you're defining people, when you're diagnosing people, when you're trying to understand some relational dynamic, you want to make sure that your labeling is as accurate as you possibly can. And to say that you're interacting with a toxic person and then you categorize them as part of the cancel culture, well, that it's not only unfair, but it also will hinder you in trying to come to any hope-filled uh, biblical resolution. And so not only every toxic person is not part of the cancel culture, but every person who disagrees with you is not part of the cancel culture either. The most precise way to think about the cancel culture is just to understand it according to what is happening in our culture. The cancel culture is trying to cancel the culture. And so we, we've seen there's a long list of cultural icons or 
cultural traditions that are being canceled. That is the cancel culture. Most recently, there's Mr. Potato, Potato Head, and there's Dr. Seuss, and Aunt Jemima, and Uncle Ben, and Gina Carano. Gina Carano is a real person. The rest of the, well, actually, Aunt Jemima is a real person as well, but it has become a cultural icon. But Gina Carano, who was an MMA fighter who went on to a a career in Hollywood uh, was very popular with Disney Corp. And she tweeted out some her conservative perspectives and, and she was fired from, from her job. She was canceled from her job because of her conservative values. And then Goya Beans, the bean company, uh, because of their relationship or appreciation for what former President Trump was doing, they were there was an attempt to cancel them as well. And then there are statues and monuments and the renaming of high schools. That is what the cancel culture is. It is a desire to cancel the culture, uh, to, to move into America and to brush over, not just brush over, but to excavate everything that America has stood for for over 200 years and to replace it with whatever it is that they deem to be credible and acceptable. That is the cancel culture. And though the cancel culture has many clones and lookalikes, it's a specific horrific thing that is happening to society writ large. It's a leaderless phenomenon attempting to socially engineer society into a very specific kind of utopian groupthink. The real cancel culture, as far as some of the planks in, in this leaderless platform are, they are progressive in their politics, they are critical race, race theorists. Now, if you're not familiar with uh, CRT, I have linked an article here because I did an entire podcast on that, and you're welcome to listen to that podcast about critical race theory. But they're progressive in their politics. They are critical race theorists, and they accent, the accent mark is on immutable characteristics, specifically a person's race. And those are three primary planks in a, a, a cancel culture platform. And so the first part, what is it? The second part, what it is not. For example, ministries canceling someone is not precisely the cancel culture, though it iterates similarly to the cancel culture. And so a ministry that, that cancels an individual out, there's something else going on there. There are authoritarian, toxic environments that demand lockstep allegiance, or they will, quote-unquote, cancel you. Those environments exist. That is not the cancel culture, even though, as I said, it is a, it is a look-alike. It appears to be a clone to the cancel culture, but that is another thing that is happening that is not in the most precise definition of cancel culture. It would be accurate to suggest that in the smallish world of an authoritarian construct that there is a cancel culture in their world. 
the culture of their world. And so if you belong to an authoritarian-type church and, and you get on the wrong side of whatever their authoritarianism is, you're inside that culture and they can cancel you. Yes, it can happen. But in the most technical sense, it's not a cancel culture. It's just an authoritarian church with a with a popish kind of figurehead who uh, gives out dictates and everybody has to lockstep to that person that is another issue. Uh, historically, we just call that an authoritarian, toxic environment. Churches that discipline their members biblically, uh, that's not the cancel culture. And even if they discipline a person unbiblically, that's not the cancel culture. My concern here is that we're going to make everything clinics, or we're going to elasticize cancel culture like we elasticize the word abuse and then everything can be abuse. And so authoritarian environments are not necessarily cancel culture. Churches aren't either. If someone unfriends you, like say on Facebook, or unfriends you in real life, that's not necessarily part of the cancel culture either. So what it is not, it's not those things. Now let me give you a couple of uh, illustrations that I call interpretive miscues. There is a danger in putting every fracture in a relationship in the bucket of cancel culture, which is one of the primary things that I'm warning you about in this, in this podcast. And I want to give you a couple of illustrations of things that have happened to to me uh, that I don't consider to be part of the cancel culture, even though some people could uh, interpret it that way. I call it an interpretive miscue. Because you might miss, if you don't, again, if you don't diagnose the problem accurately, you can misinterpret what is happening in actuality. And then in worst case situations, you might even take on the role of a victim of the cancel culture, which will only complicate what has happened to you. And you, you don't want to don the mantle of a victim, and then you're actually interpreting what happened to you in the wrong way in the first place, and that's a complicating matter. Let me give you three illustrations of where some where I was canceled. And I really wasn't canceled. I was just not permitted to play anymore because of positions that I have taken. One person... Uh, associated with the IABC, the International Association of Biblical Counselors, they blocked me from their social media account. The reason that they did that is because I spoke out against the shenanigans that was going on in IABC. IABC, their board just blew apart a couple of years ago, and many of us were brought in. I was a, a well, I don't remember what they call it now, a team a training center, I think is what they call it, a training center person, one of their training center operatives. That's not the exact title now, but I'm so distant from it that I, I don't remember the language anymore. But I was a training center person, and we were all brought in to work through this, and there were so many problems with it, and IABC was not becoming, being forthcoming about what was going on internally in their organization. The Life Fellowship in Colorado put Ed Bulkley, the president of IABC, under church discipline. As far as I know, he still is. I haven't heard. If he if he's not, please let me know, and I'll make a clarification. And if he has repented of his sin, I'll make a clarification in, in the next podcast. 
and then there were other board members that were just doing some deceptive things. And there's been more stuff that's actually has rolled out over the past six months. It's like a, a never ending story. And then the new board that was formed, to my knowledge, has never come out and publicly uh, talked about this very public issue. And, and it's been swept under the rug. And so there's all this stuff that has been going on. And so one member of I, IABC uh, blocked me from one of their social media accounts. I'm not even sure that person's a part of IABC any longer, but I wasn't canceled. Uh, I was just, it, it was a an internal matter that was happening with an organization that became very public. I do not, I didn't think then, and I I'm, do not believe now uh, that what they did was right, how they handled it was right. I did an entire episode devoted to that, which is linked here in these show notes. I had that episode before I put it out there. I had it vetted by three different people. Daniel Berger, who uh, did the most extensive research as far as what was going on during the IABC debacle. Julie Ganchow, who was a training organization person peer, uh, as as I was at that time with them, and then Warren Lamb, who later became, I think, the vice president of the new, newly formed board. All three of them looked at my show notes, and, and they, they gave it the okay. And so that information is out there, but you could say that I was canceled, but I don't put it in that category. Uh, I was just one person who was struggling with the fact that there was exposure uh, blocked me from uh, being part, ha- having any more access with one of their social media platforms. Several years ago, the Biblical Counseling Coalition, one of the main leaders in that organization, chose to break off associating with me because he disagreed with my perspective. It was and I, honestly, even to this day, I'm not even sure why he was so angry with me. I just made a commentary about the name change from the National Association of Neuthetic Counselors to the ACBC, and I was commending the fact that they were changing their brand, and I was speaking to that, and he sent me a scathing email, very angry, and we went back and forth a few times, and I was kind of blindsided from it. But since that point, uh, this a person with, and I'm not sure if he's associated with Biblical Counseling Coalition anymore, but he was one of the ring leaders. In fact, he talked to me before there ever was a Biblical Counseling Coalition asking for my input on building that organization. But back in 2012, 2013, whenever uh, he was upset with me, that was the end of my relationship with the Biblical Counseling Coalition. As far as having any kind of input, I do write for them. They ask me to, and I, I say, yeah, I'll give you a couple articles a year. I have no problem with that. But if you go back and look at this particular leader's personal website, you'll find no reference to me uh, and it ended at 2013. But this is how some people in Christian ministry operate, whether it's IABC or this uh, former, maybe former BCC leader. And then uh, a year and a half ago, I spoke out about John MacArthur's comment when he told Beth Moore to go home. And I I thought that was inappropriate then, and I thought it, uh, I still think so. I, I have no issue with John MacArthur. I've benefited tremendously from his ministry. I have a master's degree from the Master's University. I have no qualms with John MacArthur except for on one issue. I, I just did not think that that was right. But I spoke out against that, and then a national leader 
contacts me and asks me, basically, am I siding with Beth Moore, which is a phenomenal thought. It's like, no, I don't I don't follow Beth Moore, and I think uh, she's a highly problematic, woke soul, and I have no interest in in participating in anything that she has done. I never have, and 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 never will, as long as she continues down the road that she's going down. But it's it's like what I've talked about before that there's no such thing in some people's minds as loyal dissent. Either you are loyal or you're dissenting, but those two things cannot it cannot be hyphenated. You have to totally lockstep with people, whether it's IABC or this gentleman with the, the Biblical Counseling Coalition or this national leader that reached out to me. That's just weird to me, and it's an unfortunate thing that happens within the Christian community, that you have to follow lockstep. Or the other thing is if you're associated with, with someone that you're guilty by association, it's like second and third degree separation. If you're not separated from them far enough, then you're guilty because of your association. You can't quote them. Uh, you can't quote certain people. You can't follow certain people, even if you partially like a couple things they say, even though you're not totally beholding to everything that they say. But these things that I'm describing to you is not the cancel culture. These are Christian quirks that, that also happen in every other part of our culture as well. The cancel culture is a culture that tries to manipulate you into conforming to their beliefs, and they will not tolerate alternate opinions. I realize what I just shared with you about these three illustrations, that there's a there's an echo, there's a clone-like, look-alike aspect to what I describe, but I don't think of any of these three situations as a cancel culture because that would be unfair. Uh, I would be labeling, labeling them inappropriately. There are other things that are going on. This is episode 312. A cancel culture manipulates everyone to see things as they do. I want to finish this by asking you some pointed and, and serious questions that I want you to, to focus on. If someone unfriends you or a culture cancels you, the first thing that you want to do is self-assess. Do they have a point? Are they right, even in a small way? What can you do to change if you do need to change? What can you learn from it? Highly important. Number two, are you tempted to take on the role of a victim? Don't do this. Don't take on the role of a victim. Take the hit, work it out with God, self-assess, see where you can change, and then grow up and mature and just move. You persevere. God's grace is much stronger than the shenanigans of what people do because they don't like something that you said. And then number three, are you tempted to give up your agency? Are, are you tempted to give up your autonomy? There is a temptation to conform to the culture's dictates when the culture is wrong, but if your fear of them, or if you have selfish ambition, if it drives you, you will give part of yourself away because you don't want the blowback or the retaliation from whomever it is that's above you that you are beholding to. If your ambition, if your reputation, if your fear of others' opinions, if they manage how you think, you will lose your agency. You'll become less than what God intends you to be, and you will sabotage the power that you 
could have had if you would have stayed true to what God is doing to you and, and stayed. Don't lose the thread of your message. Stay on your message. I see Christian counselors, bloggers, ministry people do this all the time. They suck up to organizations. They suck up to groups or to ministries or to individuals that they hope will give them a bump. They don't cause waves. They conform to the standard. They never speak out when they see something is wrong. Their selfish ambition is so thick and blinding that they are willing to sell their souls, if only just a little bit, for ministry profit, whether it's money or fame or power or all three. Do not do this. Settle for less. Settle for a smaller ministry. Settle for a smaller kingdom advancement if it means maintaining your integrity. If they come at you, if they don't like what you said and you did self-assess and you have, you've had your, your opinions and your views vetted by those who won't rubber stamp you, settle for less. If it means maintaining your integrity, choose to ride outside the camp if the cost of fellowship with individuals or organizations compromises the things you believe God is teaching you and he wants you to teach others. Don't compromise your agency or your autonomy because somebody doesn't like what you said. If we can help you with these matters, please let us know. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.